Hello and welcome to Taking the Stand, uh, the podcast that uh, has is ambitious in its objectives. It tries to make uh, uh, justice about freedom and uh, freedom about you. So in a sense, it tries to make justice about ordinary South Africans like yourself. And um, today uh, we end off a series that we've been running over the last few weeks that uh, I found very, very, very interesting. Um, and Sara has been our loyal companion in these last few episodes because uh, sometimes, sometimes you just need to rely on uh, the wisdom of uh, the, the the slightly more battle-scarred lionesses of the pride. Um, Ooh, and, Sara is... <laughs> <laughs> and Sara is most definitely um, uh, uh, experienced in taking on um, some of these, uh, the, the legal issues. Uh, I, I mean, Sara, I'm right in saying that during the 80s, it was it was when you started your legal career in in labor law so i mean that that must have been a time and a half i guess well it was i mean it was very exciting i mean the the legal fraternity was horrified because labor law wasn't based on what everything all the other types of law was so the you know it was like the wild west oh and Speaking of uh, wildness, at least, um, if not the West, um, here in South Africa, we've been um, uh, we've been looking at the rule of law for, for a long time, and this series has focused on it. And I'm so glad that we, we come to the end of the series. And today's episode is essentially a bit of a, a summary episode, not a perhaps not a quite too long didn't watch or too long didn't read episode, but to 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 bring the strings together to to consider if the eight principles that uh, Lord Bingham uh, lays out in his fundamental uh, lecture that became a book, The Rule of Law, if those are the true ingredients of the rule of law, as I suspect they might be, how's the state of the rule of law in South Africa? So a quick recap, these eight principles that we've covered over the last few weeks, accessibility, law, not discretion, equality, exercise of power, human rights, dispute resolution, fair trial, and compliance with international law. So, Sarah, with those eight points being the, you know, the, the, the eight legs of this particular spider, what do you think of the health of the rule of law in South Africa? If we were to look at these things as eight animals or species, which of these should we be most concerned about are close to extinction and need our intervention to be saved and conserved? It's quite a tricky way to think of it because I think all eight elements of the rule of law are there. Um, I don't think they're necessarily close to extinction, perhaps, but what I could say is, and it's, it's a slight divergence that will come back to these things, and that is the fact that whatever aspects of the rule of law or all of them that you have in your system, they are, their, their longevity will depend on the quality to a large extent of a government in power at any given time. And I think we've quite, we've, we've seen that with uh, having a, an ANC government that had till now a fairly to significantly um, safe majority, 
it's very tempting and they have on occasion and, and increasingly run sort of rough, roughshod over the principles of the rule of law and they can do so by virtue of their political power and I think one of the problems is that um, your first of all power is corrupt and and so the tendency to want to exert power over the rule of law which which, which is intended to limit that power in vis-a-vis uh, -vis ordinary South Africans is, is very tempting and, and the and the ANC has succumbed and it's it's the case of it's you know whether you have any impact on who your judicial officers are it's whether you have the resources or exercise to put the resources into making access to the to to the law um, affordable or manageable for people who can't otherwise afford it um again human rights it can be quite tempting to try and limit human rights if they get in the way of your power so while um, i'm just going to use a simple example not that it applies so much but it's it's at, at, at certain points the government has been tempted to interfere with our freedom of expression through access to the media it hasn't succeeded interesting enough and that's partly because there are so many interests interests invested interests and otherwise in keeping your media free but it's for example the, the move towards expropriation without compensation is one of the many ways the government is trying to get power into the hands of the government and away from people uh, the ownership of property shall if not if not the ownership the control shall vest in in government and we will be as a people we at the mercy of what the government does and it cannot use privately owned property to advance our own lives so that to give us an example i think your biggest limitation or potential limitation on on your rights and your access to the the law and who your judicial officers will be can be very determined by the the numerical literally the numerical strength of your governing party so i don't think it's the law per se that in any way it or much affected as much as it is affected by how you are governed and who you are governed by i must say that that's something that people often get wrong about the rule of law the rule of law does not mean the rule of legislation it is almost more accurate to speak of it as the rule of justice mm. that you've got a system where even the powerful like the state are subject to this principle of just action um so it's it i, I think the rule of law it is the phrase we use and 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 it is you know been popularized for the last you know at least 500 years um in in the legal tradition from which we stem in south africa but i think it's a it's a very important point to make that in the end the rule of law is about the limitation of power just like democracy is about the limitation of power so if you if you want democracy if you want justice you must ensure that power is not centralized and i think that that's so uh and an, an, a, a tragic situation in south africa that we are in a country where people have just given up on trying to influence either who holds power or how the people who have power use it and your media reference is very interesting let me uh, get stuck in that for a while i think don't 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 you think it's 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 
almost special, um, or not special, what, what's the word? You, you said that there have been efforts by the ANC government, as there was, of course, by the National Party government, um, to curb freedom and I, uh, of speech. And I do think freedom of speech today is in a much healthier state than freedom of speech uh, when you started your law practice in the 80s under P.W. Uh, uh, Boerta with, you know, uh, his digit pointing to, I don't know, uh, a receding hairline, but I shouldn't say too much about this. But um, in when it comes to the idea of freedom of speech, you've almost got a natural occurring lobby group in the media. Isn't it interesting that of all the other rights, freedom of speech is the one that is the most contested because you've got this almost sector or industry devoted to it. Mm. And yet for things like property rights, you're not seeing your estate agents or your landowners associations really having the chutzpah of the media to say, hey, guys, this is a right that pertains to what we do. Do you think in there there's something of a recipe as to how a citizen can look at a society and understand that rights need champions? Well, you see, the thing is that for me, the, the, the fundamental saving society lies in freedom of expression. And because it is always, it's been an issue for as long as South Africa's existed, probably, um, you have a media that has spent decades, if not hundreds of years, trying to retain the freedom to say what needs to be said to, to the public. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a strong lobby, it's, but it's a lobby that exists every day, all day and every day. And it has something, I mean, there's something interesting about the fact that unless it does something drastic, the freedom of the, of, of the media, of ourselves, to say what we think has has survived. The problem is in the other areas like property rights, um, uh, whether it be related to your your literally your home or your pension fund or whatever it might be, those issues come up in a, as a consequence of draft legislation, and so the idea of forming a lobby group to fight it is is it becomes complicated. One is that the the people who need to really get involved in the fight have never been involved in a fight before. So it's a little bit out of their experience. And the other thing is a tendency to not to see the government as a partner, not as an opponent. And some of the law that's been drafted is oppositional. It it should be tackled. We we're used to fighting for freedoms because that's what we do. We've been doing it for 92 years. And the problem is, is you've got to overcome a whole lot of reluctances. And one of the great reluctance is you, you, you sort of tend to think that the, well, not the, the, either the government are best or that my, the bread is buttered, my bread is buttered from the government. And then, of course, it's just the, the, the issue of having the, the guts to take a stand. And it's those elements that all make the taking a stand against the government so difficult. Um, I mean, to, for for very many interest groups, it's it's just un, it's unthinkable. It's, it's not what they've done in the past. Um, the problem is that sometimes support the rule of law will be upheld and supported if you take a stand against the government, not if you don't. Um, and that's it's a it's it's a very it's a very complex process to suddenly start getting involved in. But we've seen it more and more. And perhaps the interesting thing and uh, that 
what happens when you still have freedom of speech is if you look at the current process leading up to the elections, the ANC did not put in all its candidates, the list of candidates to the IAC, the Independent Electoral Commission, on time. And the apex court basically said, tough. And for a party that's been in power for 27 years, the that expression of judicial independence was fantastic for us because it meant that they are not they, they do not have any god-given right to have their candidates put in whenever they want to there are rules and most of the other gov the political parties comply with those rules and, and just being a governing party then doesn't make you exempt and that's an very important indication of a level of independence of our judiciary. So I've, I've wanted a little bit from the one to the other, but it does give an, it does give an idea of what you say when you, you stand up a bit to the bully and say, no, the rights are here, the law is here, on my side, I'm going to, I'm going to press for them. And, the, and it comes out for you. So it, it's, South Africa is definitely, it, it, not all is lost by any means judicially. I, and, and I must say that when people when, when people ask me, you know, oh, when they hear I'm sort of involved in in what one might call politics without, you know, party political and the election and stuff, but we are involved in the political arena, they always ask, oh, great, so what's happening to the country? And I have a staple response to which I and, and which is South Africa is in a more precarious and dangerous position than most people realized realize, but there's also a lot more to play for, a lot more hope than people often see. So it's this weird thing of it's worse than you can imagine and it's better than you can think. And part of that is, I think, to do what you just said now so simply, is to stand up to bullies. And people often ask, okay, so how do we do this? And and I think these eight principles and uh, really are incredibly useful to do this. And it takes it takes participation. Uh, for example, the first point we discussed about accessibility of the law. Um, if people with law degrees like you and me and Dr. Anthea Jeffrey look at the COVID regulations last year and cannot understand head or tail from it, I think it's time that citizens sort of take up the 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 the, the baton um, and and write an email to an MP, to Parliament, to a to a newspaper. Use the freedom of speech you've got. Use that ability to express an opinion and say, "My word, I cannot understand this law. What is going on here? You're trying to tell us how the country should function. I can barely understand how the sentence functions. There is something to be said for even the most basic thing. So it's almost from accessibility, something very very simple." all the way to compliance with international law is to say, well, if I want to do my taxes, I need to understand taxes. If I want to practice my religion, I need to understand my religion. If I want to be a citizen, well, let me understand citizenship. Let mm. me try to figure out what goes into this activity because the outsourcing of political decision-making is the greatest threat to the rule of law in this country. Absolutely. And it's always... Absolutely. And the thing is that um, the reality is one wants to sort of appeal to people not to be feel daunted by 
what they, what they may understand us to say about their responsibility. Because their responsibility could be as little as signing a petition or petitions, because there are plenty of petitions. In, um, it could be, and it's again like voting. You know, your individual signature, like your vote, may not feel like much. But if there are enough of you, it can make it can make a difference. And very often, you know, little acts such as petitions um, or representations can slow down a process. And sometimes slowing down a process ultimately changes the outcome of that process. But but your your involvement can also be it can literally, as you say, be as little as writing an email or showing writing support or donating ten bucks or whatever it is to an organisation who can lead the charge for any of those people who are supportive. So it doesn't have mm. to be, you don't have to go out marching in the street, although South Africans do that quite well and do that quite often. But it's not if it's not your cup of tea, there are other ways of doing it. And the, the trick about sa saving the, the, the eight aspects of the law is about using what's available um, in the, at the appropriate time in the appropriate way to the extent that you can um mm. it's it's not a zero-sum game it's uh, mm. uh as you say you, you it helps for example if, if if a lot of people are opposed to a piece of legislation it certainly builds up a pressure um mm. process mm. slow down it becomes people the question even where a, a, a governing party has a significant comfortable majority it nothing you, you, you are not there to make their lives simple to the extent yes. you make it complicated and you use your rights to do so, more power to your elbow. And and I think uh, a, a final thought from me is, it's sort of like asking someone how how do you start painting. It's you can start with either colors or technique or objects or uh, you know. It, the, the the amount of entry points to this activity really depends almost on your imagination. Um, and whether it's an email, whether it is liking a Facebook page or following a Twitter account that gets you the nuggets of information so that you can start building this knowledge base, it can be anything from standing as a parliamentary candidate or as a public representative at the highest level to simply being willing to stand next to a society on a fire and saying, you know what? I don't agree with this idea. It, 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 it's, it's so instinctive that the greatest uh, piece of weaponry that those opponents of freedom have is isolation. We have become so isolated and I saw this the other day. I'm currently looking to to buy a, a house. I'm, I, I seem to be at last becoming part of the white monopoly capital because I will now be a landowner and I will merit the hate that I might receive. But I've, it was a special moment when I realized I had 10 minutes before the estate agent came to a specific house I was interested in. And I thought, well, that neighbor is sitting on their uh, stoop. And I went up to the bell and I rang the bell and I felt so oddly uncomfortable yet exhilarated. Then I spoke to this person, asked, how is this neighborhood? And then after I did that, I thought, well, I could do this again. I went to the next house, rang the bell. The lady came out. I asked her, how is this neighborhood? And I realized 
that in 10 minutes, I built something that could help me feel part of a democracy and feel empowered to fight for the rule of law. And that is why I think Fan's idea of empowering people, building relationship of trust and connecting people. If you want to build the rule of law, fight for the rule of law. Sarah, what more do you need? <laughs> the freedom to speak about it. The freedom to um, let's put it this speak way. about it. Let's put it this way. Let me give you a little example before we go. Report a pothole. You know, I know we complain bitterly, but people who administer these things, to give them credit, and we don't often give them credit, probably justifiably, don't always know, you, you, you know, they can't sort of imagine your pothole. Unless you tell them you've got a pothole outside your house, they don't know. And some, you know, I've, I've been a pothole reporter of note. And mm. it's, a, again, you know, a critical mass of reporting does achieve a result. That doesn't resolve the political problems with why we have lots of potholes by any means. But it it, it does, it gives you a, some level of a sense of control over the process that other people are ignoring or buggering up. And... It's not everything, but it's something. It's about doing it, doing things that make your life better. And perhaps a useful metaphor is to think about that idea of make your bed first thing in the morning. Make your bed. H have you, uh, uh, you know, done the things that you wanted to do? Are you? Is your day suddenly a success once you've made your bed? No, but you've got one small success to go on. You've got one small success to launch your day. Report that pothole. Send that email. Like that Facebook page. Perhaps read that article somewhere. It's really the small bits and pieces. And I said to a member of our fan team this morning, there's no big thing in politics. It's just thousands and thousands and thousands of little things that can make freedom important, that can make justice real, and that can make the rule of law something that is the ownership of citizens and not the hobby of the state. Zara, I cannot thank you enough for for taking us um, on these last few episodes through this journey. I, I love this, this series so much. We are going to do the next one. I've already uh, got a few ideas that which, uh, which we shall discuss. Um, and yes, as I uh, always say at the end of these podcasts is it's worth it to get involved. If you're not going to get involved, no one else is. And you need to fight because why? Say it with me at home. Your freedom is worth fighting for. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.